You're listening to the Women's Health Cast, a podcast about issues and innovations in women's health from the University of Wisconsin-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. I'm Jackie Askins. Today's episode is about ectopic pregnancy. This term may sound familiar. It's definitely popped up in the news over the last couple months as some states consider laws that would affect how ectopic pregnancies are treated. So it felt like a good time to talk with Dr. Ashley Jennings and learn more about what ectopic pregnancies are, why they can be so dangerous, and how doctors treat them. I'm very excited to welcome Dr. Ashley Jennings to the Women's Health Cast today to talk about ectopic pregnancy. Thank you for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. I wanted to learn about this because it feels like it's been popping up in the news quite a bit lately. Um, So to start with, what does ectopic pregnancy mean? So an ectopic pregnancy is a pregnancy that's somewhere besides the uterus. It can be most commonly something like in the fallopian tubes, or it can be in the cervix or in the abdomen, or even in a C-section scar. Why is it a problem to have a pregnancy occur outside the uterus? So the uterus is made to carry a pregnancy um, and has a way to basically make the blood flow when the baby comes. Everything comes out very successfully. It has room to grow. When it's in another location, um, pregnancies are really good at getting blood flow, and so they can cause major issues if it's in the abdomen or in the tube. There's just not enough room for it to grow, and so it can break open the tube and cause a major emergency. How common are these kinds of pregnancies? When we look at pregnancies that are ectopics, we think that they're about 2%, um, although our records are not as good at picking up things like someone who's treated in the clinic and never presents to the operating room or the emergency room. Do we know anything about why ectopic pregnancies happen? So sometimes we don't have any reason that they happen. In some patients, there are certain risk factors. What kinds of risk factors? So patients who have any scarring of their fallopian tubes are at increased risk because a pregnancy, the egg has to travel down the tube and make it into the uterus. So scarring, um, you can have it if you have a history of an infection in your pelvis or surgeries in your pelvis. Also, um, there are some risks like smoking puts you at a slightly increased risk and being above the age of 35. Do we know why smoking increases risk? We think it's because the tubes have a mechanism to help them move along the pregnancy and that smoking impacts that. Um, Another risk factor that you can have is actually patients who have a history of infertility, and especially those who have infertility treatments are at increased risk. I think I had also read endometriosis might increase your risk a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. That's another thing that can cause scarring in the tube. When I'm learning about IUDs, I remember reading um, that overall your risk of unplanned pregnancy is way, way lower. But in that small section of risk for an unplanned pregnancy, your risk of ectopic pregnancy might be a little higher. I feel like I'm misunderstanding that. I don't know. It's kind of a tricky concept for patients to grasp. So overall, if you're using an IUD for contraception, it's very, very, very effective at preventing pregnancy. The way it works is it works directly in the uterus. But if you have a positive pregnancy test when you have an IUD in place, it's very important to get a treatment and evaluation for an ectopic because you have almost a 50% chance of it being somewhere other than the uterus. But when you compare the overall risk of getting an ectopic with no form of birth control versus an IUD, that risk of having an ectopic pregnancy um, with no birth control is a lot higher. It's sort of a difficult thing to grasp, I think, sometimes. So I guess the, the overall risk of unplanned pregnancy is so, so low that it's kind of negligible. Exactly. Okay. 
But if you get a positive pregnancy test when you have an IUD, it's really important to seek medical care immediately. Do we know if there's any way to prevent ectopic pregnancies? There really isn't. Like we said, the one risk factor is smoking. So um, quitting smoking can help a small amount, but that's overall a pretty um, small increase in risk from smoking. And many times um, we don't even know why the ectopic occurs. Some people have no risk factors, and there's really not a lot we can do there. So how does someone know? How would I know if I was experiencing a, a typical pregnancy or if I'm experiencing an ectopic pregnancy? Are there signs or symptoms that we should be looking for? There's sort of two different ways that we typically diagnose them. Some people have no symptoms and they're actually diagnosed on an ultrasound. So they come in, we get an ultrasound to see how far along they are in the pregnancy and we notice that there's not a pregnancy sac in the uterus like we would expect. Sometimes we see it in the tube, sometimes it's harder to see and we follow patients really closely. A lot of those patients don't have a lot of symptoms. Sometimes they have some sort of vague abdominal pain, but sometimes pregnancy can cause that too. Um, a more serious thing is sometimes patients present after the tube has broken open. Patients know when that happens because they're really, really uncomfortable. Um, and typically because blood in the belly is really irritating and painful. So those patients typically show up in the uh, emergency room and then they're treated from there. So you just said you confirm an ectopic with an ultrasound? That's one of the ways that we do it. Um, typically, we confirm that the patient's pregnant, usually by a urine or a blood test. And then we typically get an ultrasound to see, is the pregnancy growing normally? Is it where it should be? And an ultrasound, depending on how far along the pregnancy is, sometimes can see that there's an ectopic in the uterus, or sorry, in the fallopian tubes or somewhere else. And sometimes it just shows that there's not a pregnancy where it would expect it to be. In those patients where we don't see a clear ectopic, we follow things really closely with ultrasounds and lab work to figure out what's going on. It really sounds like an ectopic pregnancy is not a viable pregnancy and that it shouldn't continue, right? Yeah, there's pretty much no way for an ectopic pregnancy to progress to a normal pregnancy because of the reasons we talked about. So either the, there's not enough room in the structure that the pregnancy landed up, or it can be life-threatening if bleeding is a major concern. So it sounds like treatment, getting, um, helping patients connect with treatment is, is really important as soon as this is diagnosed. Um, what kinds of options are available? There's basically two options for treatment. So one, it depends a little bit on how early we pick it up. So if we pick it up on ultrasound and it's safe to do so, sometimes we can do medical therapy with a medicine called methotrexate. That's a medicine that we follow things really closely to make sure everything's going as planned. The other treatment option is surgery. And surgery is always the answer if a patient has a ruptured tube and bleeding in the belly or any other emergency situation. And so um, it very much depends on how the patient presents and how it's discovered as to how we treat it. How quickly between someone knowing that they're pregnant and then figuring out that it's an ectopic pregnancy. How quickly does that usually happen? Um, I guess I'm thinking in terms of as like the blastocyst is developing and, and getting a little bit bigger, at what point does it, do we notice that it's not where it should be or does it start to cause problems? 
So most of our patients, um, at least here at UW, are getting dating ultrasounds. That's typically done around six weeks pregnant. At that time frame, we can look and see if there's a sac of pregnancy in the uterus or not. And so we can diagnose it then. Sometimes if patients aren't getting ultrasounds, they don't present until like a tube ruptures and they're in major pain. And it all depends. Like sometimes you can have a tu tubal rupture very early on, like at five or six weeks. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer depending on what part of the tube it's in. And so there's not really a cutoff of, you know, this is when we know we can see it. Another telltale sign is actually when we can see a heartbeat in the tube. That's a very obvious sign that the pregnancy is, you know, not where it's supposed to be. So the reason ectopic pregnancies have kind of been in the media a lot are some legislative efforts in a couple states to, uh, to require physicians to re-implant them into the uterus. Um, is that possible? No. And it's actually pretty um, disturbing to me that lawmakers are using things that aren't even possible. I have many patients that show up in the emergency room with a pregnancy that is very much desired. I've actually been asked this um, question by patients at least a couple times because they very much want this pregnancy. If we could move it to the uterus for someone who wanted that, we absolutely would, but we don't have that technology. Once you disrupt the blood flow to the pregnancy, it's not like you can move it somewhere else. So it's really damaging to patients who feel like they have done everything they can to have a healthy pregnancy and then making laws that make it seem like they haven't. And so for that reason, I think that lawmakers should talk with physicians before they make these bold statements that don't make any scientific sense, because I have many patients who would move their pregnancy if they could, but we just can't do that. What does an ectopic pregnancy mean for uh, future risk? Like if I, if I have one, if I experience one ectopic pregnancy, does that make it more likely that I'll have another in the future? So sometimes we have patients, like I said, that have no risk factors, but many patients who have an ectopic pregnancy have one because the tube is scarred. And when that tube is scarred, the chances of the other tube being scarred is fairly high. And so for that reason, after you have one ectopic, your risk is increased. After one, it's about a 10% chance. So it goes up from two to 10%. If you've had two or more, it actually goes up all the way to 25%. So in women with the history of a prior ectopic, it's very important that they seek medical care early on so that we can get an ultrasound to determine where their pregnancy is and prevent a tubal rupture or a medical emergency in the future. What else do you think it's important for people to understand about ectopic pregnancies? I think it's important to know that ectopic pregnancies are fairly uncommon, and if your provider has a suspicion, to trust them, and it's important to do the follow-up testing that they recommend. Often we have patients that we think may have an ectopic and then don't do the follow-up lab work or ultrasounds, and you're putting yourself at significant increased risk of needing a surgery or having a medical emergency. So trusting your doctor to take good care of you when you have an ectopic or a suspected ectopic pregnancy. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. On the next episode of the Women's Health Cast, Dr. Bala Bhagavath will talk about the common causes and treatments of infertility. Dr. Bhagavath is the new director of Generations Fertility Care in Madison, Wisconsin. The Women's Health Cast is a production of the UW-Madison Department of OBGYN. This episode was produced and engineered by Rob Garza. You can listen to the Women's Health Cast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. And of course, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WISCOBGYN. 
Let us know how we're doing. Rate and review us in your podcast app and let us know what women's health topics you'd like to learn about. Thanks for listening.